0: We celebrate Harlem Globetrotters with amazing athletes, men, women, we have players that are disabled. So we were founded in 1926 because there was a need wow. for players, black players to play. They were not allowed to play in the NBA yet. And so 1926, we were born on the heels of DEI before DEI was even coined, right? Oh my gosh. I know, we welcome women players for the existence of the WNBA.
1: Hey, 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 hey.
3: Hey, everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead with Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, welcome to October, which means you only have a couple more weeks to decide your fabulous Halloween costume, and it better be on brand. Plus, we are continuing our celebration of Hispanic Heritage Month. So make sure you check out our Latinx Voices collection at leadwithyourbrand.com Latinx, where you can hear our full collection of amazing leaders, executives, and changemakers who identify as part of the Latino and Hispanic community. And to add to that collection, we have another amazing guest. It is Miriam Adias, who is the head of corporate communications at the iconic Harlem Globetrotters. But before we get to Miriam, let's talk a little bit about your brand and building your network now i just got back from a week in the city of brotherly love of course philadelphia and i was honored to return to comcast mildev their symposium for the top 100 military veterans active military and military spouses from across the entire comcast corporation now i had a chance to talk lead with your brand and help everyone to build their network now that they were coming together in real life to build their exposure. Now, people always ask me, Jason, how can you stay such a super connector? How do you know everyone and how do you keep those flames alive? Well, I will tell you this. You know that I love to jet set and you know that I love to travel, but I'm a real person and I get tired too. But you know what I do when I travel? I resist the urge to just rest and sit in my hotel room. And let me tell you, I've been on the road quite a bit over the past few weeks, so I really just felt like lying down and sleeping the entire time. But I will tell you, I focused on making sure that I was rekindling and keeping the fires aflame in all of my relationships with folks that are in Philadelphia. So a week before I headed out to Philadelphia, if you're following me on LinkedIn, you probably saw me do a post that I was packing up my bags and I was heading to Philadelphia. Now, that was one way for me to trigger and let all of my contacts in Philadelphia know that I was going to be there. And I heard from several folks and was able to arrange some different coffee dates and meetups. In addition, I spent the week before really going through all of my social media feeds, racking my brain, looking at LinkedIn and searching by Philadelphia, and reaching out to a whole bunch of folks that I hadn't seen in person in a long time. And guess what? I even met up with some folks that I had never met in person, but had been involved in different virtual engagements with. So I met with 10 people in between my speak engagements for Comcast. And you know what? I was jumping in an Uber. I was running down to lunch over with my friends over at the Eagles Go Birds. I was heading off to the neighborhood to meet with, you know, iconic LGBTQ plus activist and original Stonewall hero, Mark Siegel. And I was getting coffee at the hotel and all of those great things because it was all about being present. At the end of the day, we love that model pie, right? It's about your performance. That's the ticket to play. Then it's about your image, which is all about leading with your brand. But it's all about the exposure piece and building your network. So once you've built your network, you've got to keep it going because quite frankly, you can have great performance and you can have a great brand. But if people forget about it because you aren't in front of them, it's not going to help you out. So, here's my challenge to you. The next time you go on the road, whether that's flying around the world or across country to a conference, or better yet, the next time you go into the office if you're working on one of those hybrid schedules, don't just take it for granted. I want you to look out and say, who can I grab lunch with? Who can I grab coffee with? Who can I be intentional about ensuring that I and maintaining building and more importantly growing relationships with well, I am super excited about today's guest. It is Miriam Adias, who is the head of corporate communications at the Harlem Globetrotters, a iconic and amazing brand. She is a member of the executive team and reports directly to the president of the Globetrotters. Now, in Miriam's role, she leads, creates, and executes all media relations strategies across corporate, consumer, and crisis with focus on global global production and development, domestic and international touring, as well as licensing and merchandising. Now, Miriam brings over 20-plus years of communications expertise, and she has held executive leadership positions at Disney ABC Television Group, where she served as the VP of Media Relations and Talent Relations. She was at NBC Universal, where she and I first met when she was the vice president of iVillage, and worked at Nickelodeon Where she was the director of communications. We'll be back in just a few moments with the Harlem Globetrotters, Miriam
1: Adias.
3: and we are back i have another fabulous guest with us today it is mirian arias who is the head of corporate communications at the harlem globe trotters mirian what is going
0: on So much, so much. Where to begin? Well, I am so
3: thrilled to have you here, (laughs) especially given everything that you are working on. So, I have to just ask you this. Mm -hmm. I know so many folks are familiar with the Harlem Globetrotters, but if there is someone listening who doesn't know who the Harlem Globetrotters are, give us the great elevator pitch that you all put out as an organization about the Globetrotters.
0: Sure. So, we celebrate. Globe Globetrotters with amazing athletes, men, women, we have players that are disabled. So we were founded in 1926 because there was a need for players, black players to play. They were not allowed to play in the NBA yet. And so 1926, we were born on the heels of DEI before DEI was even coined, right? Oh my gosh. I know. We welcome women players before the existence of the WNBA. Wow. Yeah. Lynette Woodward is our first player. She's a two-time Olympic gold medalist. She actually also works with the organization today. So there's so much that we've done to lead that, you know. And um, we also have, we consider ourselves um, Goodwill Ambassadors. We were actually named Goodwill Ambassadors uh, by the State Department back in 1951. And so what we do is we go around the world and we tell our stories and we share our authentic who we are To all types of audience, either that be hospitals or children of many ages, um, Title I schools. Uh, so for every market we go to, for example, throughout the domestically in the US, we also send about one or two players, sometimes two weeks to a month in advance, to meet with our with our fans, you know, either that be at schools or communities, boys and girls clubs. So if you're go on our tour site, um, umglobetters.com, see where we're gonna be and come follow us.
3: Yes. Well, and I know you have tons of fans all over the world. So talk to me when you first meet people, because I know you're in the business of constantly interacting with all of your stakeholders. How do you introduce who you are and what it is that you actually do?
0: Oh, wow. Uh, So uh, I introduce myself as Marianne. I'm the head of corporate communications here at the Harlem Globetrotters. I think... The one exciting thing that I've got going on right now is the fact that I finally work for a brand that I'm actually in that space. Right. I have two Ooh. young kids and and this really speaks to us. Um, but also, I think the diversity of it, I've never worked for an organization that was pretty much 90 percent black and brown um, yeah. in, internal and externally. Right. And I'm really proud of that. And that's something brand new to me. Um, from the leadership team the executive team that I'm part of to the players themselves um so i think when i talk about this brand i really hope it radiates from my inside out because the joy that i bring to it and the joy that it gives me is, is pretty it's pretty Amazing! I think is I'm trying to think of what word can I use. Um, I've had the more opportunity this year than ever to really work in Spanish, which is really part of my wow. identity and who I am. Yeah, and that's something brand new when we came on board with Telemundo, and that's just added another check to my list of things that I've wanted to do. Um, you know, I've always had a chance to bring a little bit of being Latina and speaking Spanish into the role, but this one I've really been able to really deep dive into it. Um, and that's been pretty awesome and great to be a part of.
3: Yeah. So it sounds like this role has really sort of been the culmination of all of these great like talents and skills that you've acquired through the years and also bringing elements of your own community and identity to the table.
0: Yes, very much so. Very much so. It's one of the first that I finally like we were just on Oidia. Um, that's the, uh, Telemundo's morning show. It's basically yeah. translated to the Today shows their national show based out of Miami. And it was the first time that like, I could call my parents and say, I'm going to be on OED and I like this, <laughs> you know, and they were like, okay. And they're like, put it on, you know, and same thing for all my aunts and uncles and cousins that we went down there, Miami, like two weeks ago when I was visiting. And yeah. so that was a sense of real pride when you can really connect with your family, right? Not just in an American English point of view, but really go down home into to who we are so it's pretty yeah. awesome
3: yeah. So, Miriam, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you, was really thinking about this amazing, you know, 20 plus year that you've had, yeah. 20 plus years career that you've had across a whole bunch of amazing media brands and assets. I mean, we w- met way back uh, when you were at iVillage and yeah. I was at NBC Universal, um, and you've worked at Disney and you've worked at Netflix and all sorts of, you know, like these huge brands that we all know. When you think back and look over your career, what were some of like the really key career breakthrough moments that helped you get to this amazing role at the Harlem Globetrotters today?
0: I think having amazing leaders. I've been really fortunate. To have bosses that i've really respected um throughout my years and i think that's really made a huge dent in all the good ways uh, that i'm really appreciative of um i had an incredible boss early on laura nelson uh who's unfortunately passed away but she was mm-hmm. a really really amazing at getting me on the path that i wanted to be on uh really asking me tough questions really making me accountable for my actions really making me see spaces that I needed a lot more support, ways that I could still grow Um, to today, right? I have an amazing boss today named Keith Dawkins. We met back at Nickelodeon when he was the GM of Nicktoons. Um, Having the opportunity to have a boss that I respect, but also Enjoy, right? I think he's a fun guy, and I'm really happy to be part of that team. A little bit of both, so I, yeah, I, I think I've been able to capitalize on that wherever I go. I think it's a shout out also to bosses that I really haven't always got along <laughs> with or haven't of, right. right there's shit, always
3: a plus delta, right? <laughs>
0: there is, but like you know, like you can't dismiss their leadership either because there are mm. things that I've learned from them that has made me a stronger uh, communications exec or. Things that I've taken away, and I'm like, I do things a little bit differently this time around Um, in myself. And then also, as you know, when I look at the things that have happened or whatever, and I'm going, yeah, I don't want it to go that way next time. Um, So there's a lot of stuff that I think that you can learn from both positive and negative ways.
1: Yeah.
3: Well, let's, let's stay on that for a moment, right? Because I know so many people, they have a bad boss that they don't care for their boss. And it's just like, let me get out, let me survive. And then like, let me get out. Yeah. How is it that you have learned to, you know, find those gems and nuggets when you have a boss that's maybe not so great and actually turn it into a great learning experience for
0: yourself? So uh, part of it is having, uh, like what I was mentioning, some really amazing executives that I've had the chance to work with, having them as a springboard to speak mm-hmm. to. you know. I also have to say, um, I've been really fortunate to have uh, executives in my life that are people of color um, that have been able to sometimes give me advice in a different point of view. right? So yeah. um, I was pulled into NBC. I was recruited actually from um uh, a woman that was from Spain. We had that really instant connection. Um and I think those are those moments that I've really appreciated. And I think it it helped to hone in um that, you know, any times I have I've had doubts or have thought about ways to make it better or I got a question on this one. Is this the way that I've been handling this? They've been really great springboards and in, in, in helping me along with that along the way.
3: Yeah. Now Marion, talk to me. Oh. How did you break into the business in the first place?
0: Oh my gosh. All right. So I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. I went to Boston University, and all I ever wanted to do was work in entertainment, but I didn't know where. Yeah. I, I knew I didn't want to be an actor. Like I'm like, I tried that. I took a class. <laughs> and I'm like, this is way, way too hard. Um, but I didn't know what it was. Did I want to be an accountant? Did I want to be an agent? Did I want to be a manager? Did I want to work in PR? What, what, what did I want to do? And I studied abroad in London uh, for my junior year, and I got a job at ICM. Ooh. Yeah, through through BU's um, communication school, they got me a job there, and I got to work with a very high roller agent, and I uh, got to work on like forwardings and a funeral with Hugh Grant, and got to meet some up and coming celebrities like uh, Kate Winslet. and um, oh, I mean awesome that's,
3: that's like hardcore up and coming.
0: Yeah. Yes, but they weren't famous yet. So like yeah. when was, as like an American kid, there I'm like, who are these people? You know, um, <laughs> but. That was my first foray into it. And I think the biggest takeaway was I don't want to be anywhere near this ancient world. This is so not for me, <laughs> but I now have the bug. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm hooked. Um, and I majored in advertising as a, as a safety net, right? Because I mm. living in Boston. What else am I going to do? Like I got to find my way to New York or LA or how do I do that? I don't know anybody there. And so I thought if I had an advertising background um I could at least get a job somewhere you know and strangely enough I ended up getting a job in in PR uh and in for an internship at a company called Ruder Finn out in New York and it was just my ticket out I was like okay at least I'm I'm half I'm getting there I'm getting there I'm, I'm you know I'm at least I'm in New York right? I'm in the heart of it all and I moved there with a couple of friends uh, that I actually met through my London program that were also American, that also had dreams of being in the entertainment industry, but from different places. Yeah. And I just got soaked in it, just loved it. And then from there, got my first, very first job in entertainment, where I was actually like a paid gig. I was the receptionist <laughs> at Baker Winoka Rider, BWR, which wow. was a powerhouse of um, personal PR. They had like Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio and Courtney Cox and um, Richard Simmons, who I've had the chance to work with. And so it was it was pretty amazing. And then from receptionist, moved my way up to AE, then senior AE, and then um, got recruited to Oxygen. And that's how that little bubble started. And it's never stopped since. Yeah,
3: Yeah. and now you you were talking about some of those amazing uh, managers that have helped you along the way, and and you talked a little bit about Lauren. What were some of the things that she really did for you, or what were some of those conversations that she had with you that kind of like made that pivot point for you?
0: Well, there was a couple of them, right? So Laura Nelson, who's amazing. She, um, so when I came in, my background was really personal PR. That's yeah. The agency BWR was known for that. I wasn't the strongest writer, and mm. so when I came on board, she said to me, "Listen, you can get some improvement in your writing. I really think you should consider taking a few writing classes." And um, I didn't never thought of myself as a bad writer, and right? I'm like, "What? Well, am I really that bad? I mean, how bad is bad?" Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and so, but she was right on, and I think it was the first time that I was able to hear criticism and take it and do mm. something about it. And so I um, took a couple of courses at like the new school and mm. um, improved my writing. I was like one of the checks that I'm like, okay, I've got to make that better. Um, she also used to say to me, you know, you see things only as a personal publicist consumer. Do so mm. you know how Miriam, you're, like I was working with like Isaac Mizrahi and Carrie, Carrie Fisher on some of their programming. Yeah. And so she said, you know how Isaac Mizrahi and Carrie Fisher are your stars? And I was like, yeah. She goes, well, Jerry Layborne and at the time Lisa Hirsch um they were they're my celebrities and it yeah. was just a way for me to see consumer against corporate yeah. I had only had had tunnel vision for consumer getting that entertainment weekly hit getting the parade magazine mm. um I hadn't thought of the business at large how are we doing how many homes are we in who are the partnerships that we're working with who are we bringing in how are we thinking differently how um and so it was the first time that I'm like oh wow I just, I really have had tunnel vision, um, only concentrating on consumer. And then that was the first time that I started to think about, I'm kind of curious about the other side of the business. Mm. Yep. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And then, so that was really like, a key. sounds like a key shift, right? Because it was really going from that personal to really sort of that corporate and, and brand stewardship.
0: It was. And it was also the awakening in myself of, I didn't want to just be, have one feather in my cap or be mm. a one trick pony. And what I mean about that is I didn't want to just be able to say I've only worked in women's cable Yeah, for 22 years or 15 years. And this is all I know is women's cable. Like I've, I wanted, I'm like, I, I got to do a lot more. I started off doing personal for five years. I've done oxygen now for five. What's next. And Nickelodeon came by and I'm like, wow, I've, I've worked for a burgeoning band, a brand that was up and coming but I've never worked for the number one kids brand. I've never worked yeah. in the kid's space. Um, those are writers and journalists. I don't know about this is interesting because instead of, um, we still have an old boss who say, you know, dialing for dollars. You're literally like, hello, this is Mary Aris. <laughs> this was the first time where some of those calls were coming our way. Um, yeah. So it was a different, different point of view. Kids stars versus adult stars, completely different beast. Um, and I was like, I was curious, right? It was also Viacom and um, different brands within that that organization that I was like curious about. So that very much opened that door. Yeah. Um,
3: and it yeah. was the time that cable was king, right? Cable I mean, was it king. was like... I know exp- explosive, right? And it was like everything was that was the water cooler talk. And now, yeah. talk to me because, like, you then also went and worked for the biggest streamer. So that yeah. also was a whole nother pivot. What was that like? Kind of coming from this very linear type of world that we all grew up in.
0: You know, that kind of happened on accident. um I had taken time off. I had, I had just had babies and trying to figure out what that next step is, and and and. What my what my next step is, is now as a parent, right? And I had reached out to an old colleague that was leading uh, communications at Netflix. And she suggested, she was like, hey, listen, I have a, uh, I have this consultant gig, I think, for four months out of New York City. Um, I was like, four, I could do four months. That gives me more time to figure out what I want to do. Do I want to stay in this business? Where do I want to yeah. go? Um, and the job was to work as a unit publicist for Baz Luhrmann's series, um, The Get Down which was shooting in Queens. It was about 1970s, the coming of age of hip hop, right? The founding fathers of it, Grandmaster Flash, that story, you know, that Puerto Rican culture, American culture, blending in Afro-Cuban. It was, it was amazing. It was just a perfect little timing for me. And I was like, sure, I'll do it. And four months turned into 18 months, uh, <laughs> you know, because things happen on set. Like, you know, um, we stopped to, to, to rewrite a couple of things, Four months drew into 18 months. Things got shifted. We were shooting not just in Queens now, we we're also going to the Bronx. And so a lot of that um, brought into the fact that it was probably, it was also at the time, I don't know today, but um, it was the most expensive series. It was actually more expensive than Game of Thrones. Wow. Um, yeah. The costumes that I'm like, oh my gosh. It was, it was, it was awesome. And it was, it was Baz Luhrmann and his wife. And, you know, but, you know, couldn't get better than that yeah yeah
3: so talk to me about your childhood when you were a kid what did you want to be when you grew up
0: i wanted to work in the entertainment industry
3: i would
0: would literally say it all the time um my my dad and i also wanted to do other stuff too don't get me wrong i wanted to be like i wanted to run a hair salon and you know stuff like that too but (laughs) (laughs) um uh, but my, remember, my mom always says, I remember when you were nine, someone asking, what did you want to do? And you said you want to work in the entertainment stream. And the lady going, like, you know, my mom's like, she says it all the time, maybe she'll actually do it. And it's crazy enough that it just stayed, right? It just, Yeah. As much as I tried, I was like, well, I'm going to major in advertising. Well, maybe I'm going to do this. Somehow, you know, if, I don't know if you believe in energy, but I'm a huge believer. In what, oh, of course. Careful of what you put out in the universe. Um, but wherever I turned, it sort of found its way. Like now living back in Massachusetts, where I'm originally from, I left entertainment. I was like, what am I going to do here? I don't know what, I don't know what my next step is. And then lo and behold, uh, Keith Dawkins, um, that was the GM at Nicktoons at Nickelodeon gave me a call and said, Hey, would you come on board as a consultant? I was like, yeah, but I'm based in Massachusetts. He's like, yeah, that's not far from New York. You know, we'll figure it out. And it's, been an amazing ride. And so here I am, like 19 months in and now a full-time employee. And it's, it's been pretty awesome.
3: Yeah. yeah. Now, now I know you were saying like your mom was telling people like, oh, Miriam says that all the time. She wants to work in, in entertainment. Talk to me a little bit about growing up. What did you learn from your parents? That's kind of like helped sort of define who you are and the type of career choices that you've made.
0: Oh, yeah. So uh, my dad's from Cuba. My dad came into the US in 1960, right? As the power of Fidel Castro coming to power. Um, and then my mother uh, came to the United States in 1957 as a nanny from Bogota, Colombia. Wow. Um, completely different experiences and life experiences, both speak Spanish, but yet both incredibly different, different ways of of living and life experiences, right? My dad grew up on a farm, my mom grew up in the city. Yeah. Um, they came at different periods of their life and came for different reasons. My dad came here for freedom, and my mom came here for an opportunity to help support the family that she was leaving behind. Yeah. Um, I would say what I get out of my parents is um, guts, guts, Mm -hmm. cojones. I don't (laughs) want to edit that one out. Um, But having the ability to also have a good hustle. They were brown. Um, Coming into Massachusetts, which was still at that time segregated, Um, there were no Latinos really in, there were Latinos in New York City, but there were none really in Boston. Um, And what that experience was like for them, I think for the first three months of, my dad being this country worked in the dishwasher and pretend to be Italian, um, wow. just in order to find work and sort of slipping through, you know, making it work here. Um, and so I look at what my parents have done. My dad was also, he was a paint contractor, but they were also house cleaners that like yeah. any which way they can. And, um, my mom used to, when I was really young, she was a housekeeper and she actually, um, she worked for a very prominent family in Beacon Hill, and she would see that the husband would circle, circle things in the Wall Street Journal. <clears throat> He'd look at the interest rates of banks and stuff, and my mother would pick up the the New York Times after him, Wall Street Journal, whatever, and she'd, "We got to go to this bank. Look, the interest rates are high." And it was that hustle that, like,
1: yeah,
0: just kept on growing and growing and growing. Um, and they've never been shy about opening up themselves and their home to other people. Their best friends Mm. were from Ireland. Um, We had friends from like all over. Um, They were not scared to take a chance. My mother used to, and still says to me, you got to make it on your own before you can make it with someone else. Mm. Um, And there is something really powerful in that. I've never thought of, well, you just have to marry well, like get that MRS degree. (laughs) For me, it was always like, nah, you know, like I'm working real hard to get to this, finish this college degree. My parents paid um, my education, but I wanted a dorm. So I was responsible for covering that by the age of 18. Yeah. Um, getting a good hustle. I had three jobs, like worked seven days a week in order to stay in the dorms. Um, but that was really important to me. And they were like, we're we're going to meet you halfway on this. You got to meet us halfway on this. And together we can, we can make this happen. Strangely enough, um, when I graduated my my degree up there, yeah. My mom very much she held on to it. I just got it back, literally. <laughs> <I> <laughs> she was dad. like, this is
3: mine, I paid mine. for it. And
0: she earned it, right? She's just yeah. like it was part of it was like the blood, sweat, and tears off her back that got me there. So I completely, I completely mm. get that. There's a real sense of pride, and there was also a sense of um responsibility. Responsibility that I pass on that to my kid. I mean, there's the experiences that, you know, they have that are nowhere near the experience that I've had. Yeah. Um, but I also want them to always remember um, where they're from and who they're from, right? Mm. Um, I want them to know that they are, as my, da- my daughter likes to say, I'm 25% Cuban, I'm 25% <laughs> Colombian, and I'm, my husband's from Ireland. I'm 50% Irish. Like, <laughs> I'm like, all right, you you know, as long as you own, you know, she's part of who you are. That's really Yeah. Cuban. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: So, Miriam, let's talk <clears throat> a little bit about your brand as a leader and an executive. Sure. Give me three words that describe brand Miriam.
0: Oh, my gosh. And it's no particular order. Yeah. Open. Mm. Kind. And funny.
1: Ooh, I you love that.
0: To, you have to be funny to do this job because there's like... It's it's literally like, I remember I read this Barbara Walters interview, but it was like on the back of the Vanity Fair and they were like, what's your favorite word? And she said, next. Because like, you come to like, next, next problem, next. And you have to be able to laugh at some of those, you know, celebrities that I've met and you're just like, oh my gosh, again, next, you know, Um, and you have to have humor about it, right? Yeah. I think you have to be open to everybody at the table,
1: mm. hearing
0: them out. You never know where a great... Headline will come from. I've had great ones come from interns, welcoming everybody at that table. Um, that's really important to me. Being smart for me is being have a good hustle. Like we were recently yeah. in Miami for the launching of our telemundo and connecting the dots. And this is the part where I feel like I got that hustle from my folks. Yeah. Um, you know, we went there, we were there for brand week. We were also able to do Oidea. We did three SMTs, we did one in English, Spanish, International. We had a great hit in brand, we've got a great hit in variety. It was the use of one city to capitalize on both corporate and consumer. Mm. And we were able to do that all under four days. Um, you know, that that to me is like the ultimate, like, and we're a team of two. I'm like, that's that's the ultimate hustle.
3: Yeah. 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 Now talk to me about you. You use the word kind. And what? I find that interesting, not because you're not kind, but. You work in an industry that isn't necessarily known for being kind, whether it's on the sports side, or the media side, or even the advertising side. So, what does kind look like to you in terms of being successful in these types of businesses?
0: Kind to me is remembering, like I was saying to you, like you never know where a good idea can come from. Yeah, when you when you open yourself to welcoming people, that's a form of kindness. Mm. Um, I also think holding yourself accountable to how you want to be treated. Um, So much of the, I started in this industry in the late nineties and, and um, there weren't always the kindest people I've walked my fair (laughs) share of dogs and picked up a fair share of laundry. I'm not even lying. Um, But at the same time too, I think, I think I want to be a boss. I want to be a leader that, that actually leads from a good place. There's Mm. so many that, well, I mean there's a lot of change going on, but I'm sure yeah. you know. But um, I think you know, I I also listen, I have one great example of this, and I'll I'll give you one. Yeah. Um, I worked at Nickelodeon and I worked with an amazing coordinator. She was fantastic, just like she was like beyond years beyond her, right? She's now uh, doing great at she's like a VP at Bravo. Um, anyway, years later, I'm at um I'm at NBC, I'm sitting at village and I get a phone call from Disney. And they say to me, Hey, we hear that you're pretty amazing, and we'd love to talk to you about this um, BP role that we have out in New York. And I said, "Well, how do you how do you think of me? I haven't applied yeah. for anything." And they go, "Well, the director of communications out of L.A. Uh, brought up your name." Like, mm. Who's the director of communications? Only to find out that she was the coordinator I worked with, um, and we had stayed in touch. But three years prior, wow! Um, and she was just like, "You were amazing. You know, you 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 got this. You can do it." It's like you expect so many times to actually be pulled into positions from the up down. Yeah. This was a really great example of being pulled into a position from the down up. Yeah. And it really went to go show about the, the importance of, of kindness and the importance of teaching with kindness, right. And leading with, kindness. Yeah. um, because I, people always remember those, you know, I don't know, you could edit this one out, bitchy people that we, we've met in this <laughs> business. Um, but then you know there are people out there that you meet, and you're like, "Damn, that was a that was a really awesome person." Um, yeah. Sorry, I keep on using awesome, but yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah. So that was one of those that like, I'll, i I love that. I love that moment. I'm, I'm very proud that that happened for me. Yeah.
3: yeah. And now you, you used open, kind, funny. You know, the smart with the hustle. Have you always been those things, or how has it evolved over time as you've grown your career?
0: I hope that I've always been those things. I think mm. having parents that came from humble beginnings kept me kind. It kept me real. Yeah. Um, I have two brothers that are older than me, one ten years older, one four. Um, they were also quick sometimes to like smack me back into place whenever <laughs> I needed it. You know, there, there are those <laughs> moments, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think having ownership and remembering got I hate to feel like I'm sounding with like my parents, but where are you from, right? Yeah. That's also been really important. I I I hold on to my ethnicity and my culture, literally not just my heart, but like, I feel like I carry it on my shoulders. Mm. Um, and I carry it with pride, you know, yeah. I felt like for so many years, I kind of, I felt like I kind of sometimes had to like, pretend that it was the elephant in the room that like, oh, it's not a big deal, you know, or things that were said, and you're like, oh, that didn't insult me at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, no, go ahead. It's okay. Um, but there are parts of me now that I'm like, I want to speak up more. I want to hold it. I want to have it. And I feel like I've earned it after 20 some years.
3: Right. Well, you definitely have earned it right Um, now when you work in communications, you're really, a steward of a brand, right? Yeah. And so you have stewarded some amazing brands that we all know as as household names. What are some things around brand management from a communication standpoint that you do for your clients, right? That your internal clients, whether they're leaders or whether it's you know the properties and the the platforms that you think individuals could use to manage their own professional brands?
0: I'd say stop and listen. Mm. I, I still do. I still have a bad habit sometimes of cutting people off or I get so excited and the, the, yeah. and the rules are turning in my head. And I'm like, wait a minute, just take a moment and listen, because what you go out with um, like straight out of the gate is where you begin. And it's very hard to go back. And so just really getting to the root of it and asking some really being a, being a good PR person in many ways is like being a really good detective. Mm. Got to make sure you know the facts.
1: Ooh, yeah.
0: Right. Okay. What happened? Where were you? why did this happen? Where were you again?
1: <laughs> Who's <was> with you?
0: <laughs> Who's with you? Like all of those type of questions, right? Like what time does this happen? Sheesh. You know, and really thinking it through before thinking about what's going to be my statement. Right. Mm. Um, I think that those are, that, that to me is really important. Don't run. Just Listen. Take a step. Take a beat. Yeah. Also, take a moment to really, um, if you have to branch out and ask for advice, get it. Yeah. You know, like so much of the experience that we have is not just academic or, um, you know, professional experience. A lot of it can also be personal.
1: Mm.
0: Um, and so you never know how one 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 thing would be like. Oh, I didn't grow up in you know, for example, hip hop. Yeah. I wasn't a hip hop person. I didn't grow up in it. I was really a kid of the '80s. Um, but my brother loved it. So like. Yeah always think about um, outside resources um, either that' be professional or personal
3: you you talked a little bit about making sure that you're you're hitting the pause button and being honest with yourself. Yeah give me an example of where you've had to kind of catch yourself and and be clear ar- around your own honest about your own intentions or your own feelings.
0: As I gotten older, you kind of get to a place of like, I don't want any more BS in my life. Either that be personal or professional, right? <laughs> right. I had just, you know, just I had experience once at one place where I had one um colleague um but didn't we didn't agree on a lot of things and and, and that this person took it personally and then took it upon themselves to not wanna not say nice things about me behind my back. Mm-hmm. Um that came back to me. Yeah. And so uh I did, you know what I did? I went and spoke to my direct, direct report, and I said, listen, I this is what's going on. I'm sure you probably have heard some of it. I would like to take this person out to lunch, and I would like to have a one-on-one and own what's going on, and say, let's make a pact on the communication happen between here and not here, because yeah. it's not helping me, and it's certainly not helping you. Um, and that's what happened. We actually went out, to, we had a really nice lunch at Times Square, and I was like, Listen, I know what you're saying. I know what you're doing. And it was, you know, it was funny because I kind of reminded me back of like those, you know, high school days where like, me? That's not me at all. It was her. She did it. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> and you're like, no, I know it's you. You know, and just like, listen, we can agree to disagree. But at least let's find a place where we can be professional and talk about it in these moments here and not make it a place over we're here. And that was the agreement. We literally like shook hands on it. When it was just like, listen, are we going to sit down and go on vacation together? No. But we do have to work on this team and project together. Yes. But we can do that in a professional way and, and stop the back back talk. Wow. And it was the first time I'd ever done, like I've been, like a part sports, like so much a part of what we do is having Having again the chutzpah, the, the yeah, and so I'm like, I to own that and be like, nope, I have to own this. If I want to be an executive one day and a leadership person, I have to lean in on this one and I got to actually take control of it and turn it around. And and it was after doing that, I was like, I can do lots more things that I thought I could do. <laughs> you're like,
3: I can do anything <laughs> I can do it, if I, I have a, a mean girl conversation, yeah. right?
1: <laughs> yeah, or you know, yeah,
3: um. Well, I have a couple of, of wow. fun questions for us. So we've been talking about your brand as an executive and a leader. What um, what brand are you obsessed with as a consumer? Like, what can't you live without?
0: Brand that I can't live without? My God. There's so much. That, you know what I'm like consumed with today? Like goop. Ooh. Everybody wants to be a, like, you know, like I'm... I'm kind of curious if, if Megan Markle is going to launch, relaunch her, her own Goop brand, people yeah. have been able to take their own essence of who they are and plateau it into something else. Yeah. You know, either that be, um, Jessica Alba with honest, I mean, her products are fantastic. My all, that's all the only thing my baby's ever you know <laughs> sat in or, you know, whatever, or yeah. rubbed in, um, but are able to really, you know, take what they do and parlay it into something else. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like the goop thing to me is just like, you know, the cruises, the, you know, being around it. It's, it's yeah. You can now stay at her Airbnb. I mean, right. it, it's a, it's a pretty um it's so amazing how you can you can um you can exist in one thing and then turn around and completely readjust your life and be something completely different.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah, but it's really all about do you have that trusted brand that people are willing to like give you the the leash yeah. to try something that you're yeah. not known for, right?
0: Yeah, and have the bravery.
3: Um, now, Miriam, if you yeah. were a type of car, what type of car would Miriam Adias be?
0: Oh, so I can tell you today I drive a Ford Edge, mm. but I am eyeing two cars. I've always wanted a Jeep Wrangler. Ah, with no with no doors and no top so similar like terminator 2 you know yeah. like you know like when sarah's driving her like i mean like i'd love one of those although like i live here and it's cold and it's raining so i'm not <laughs> sure how long that would last or the new bronco because like who would have ever thought that they could be able to bring back that brand after oj
3: yeah exactly like it
0: was gone
3: yeah the bronco bronco killed it right yes
0: but talk about reinventing yourself, right? Yeah. Like there's a whole generation that doesn't even know that.
3: Now, why are you like that, you know, Terminator 2 Jeep Wrangler <laughs> or that new Bronco? Why are why are you like that car?
0: Oh, you know, so so we always I used to call them Tonka trucks. Yeah. Like we we always had a Tonka truck when I was growing up. There was it was always something. Like it was, you know, the Ford, we had the well, I had driven the Ford Edge, but there was like the the Hyundai pilot that like not the Honda pilot, like everyone always had like some type of a sporty car. Um yeah. and I see myself as always living in New England. And I feel like it kind of goes with the vibe.
3: And finally, Miriam, what's yes. the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners?
0: Oh, when you show up, show up. Mm. So I worked for um one of the when I was for PWR, one of the clients that they had, she was back in the day when it used to be Regis and Kathy Lee. Yeah. And I had flown, I was coming in from Boston because I spent the weekend with my parents and I was in a rush and team and I hadn't like kind of just looked like I was like in like my like my weekend wear. And she said to me, She looks like, if you're gonna show up, show up. Mm. This is a hard business for anybody, but it's a harder business when you're brown and black. You gotta mm. work harder, you gotta look better, you gotta own it. Do you think you own it right now? <laughs> and I was like, boy. Wow. Well, like, I was wearing Keds sneakers. I remember I had like rolled up pants. Um, I re-wore a shirt that I was wearing the day before. Um, I had my hair in a, like weird twisted braids that were just like, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't the way that I would have come. And so ever since then, I swear to God, anytime I've ever done any meeting or go somewhere, like I always show up. I physically am there. I look at, I'm mentally there. It's all here. I remember that. She was just. I like, know. You got to show up got because you're going to work harder than anyone else.
3: Well, Miriam Adias, it was great talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing uh, all of your great uh, insights and, and career advice. Where can um, thanks, people learn thanks. more about all of the great stuff at the Harlem Globetrotters?
0: Come to our website, harlemglobetrotters.com. Check it out. Come see when we're going to be in your town. Watch NBC on October 7th. Check out our new show, new season two, and then go on tell them we don't watch our show. So wherever, wherever you have a television, wherever you are by a stadium, we will be there.
3: Tune in, everybody. Thank you so much, Miriam. Thank you, Jason.
2: Thanks for having me.
3: And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts.
2: Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level?
3: Wow, what an amazing conversation with Miriam Adias, the head of corporate communications at the Harlem Globetrotters. You know, she had so many great insights and so much great career advice, but what really stood out to me was her whole message about making sure that you are showing up and being present. Because I love that since it is simply all about leading with your brand, and being on brand every single day. You know, it's just not enough to have your brand documented. You've got to show up and live it. You've got to package yourself in a way that when people first see you, when people first talk to you, and people first interact with you, they see your brand and all of the great value you are bringing. So don't just throw something on. Don't just pick up something on sale. Make sure that the look that you're bringing to the table, the way you style yourself, is on-brand and matches who you are and the brand DNA and values that you're bringing. And more importantly, make sure that your actions show up and lead with your brand. How you operate, what people see you do, and what people hear you say is ultimately how you lead with your brand. So you can't dial it in. Remember, In our brand and our career, we're always on stage and your career audience is always watching. So make sure that you're open, make sure that you're present, and make sure that you're making those consciously competent choices to show up and act in the way that you want to be known. Well, that's our show for you today. If you loved what you heard, make sure that you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll bring you a brand new show every single week. Now, check me out on LinkedIn and all social media platforms. I'm at Jason Patria, and send me a direct message and a Connect request, and I'm happy to answer your questions right here on the air. Now, we're continuing to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month, so check us out at leadwithyourbrand.com latinx for our full collection of amazing executives, leaders, and changemakers who identify as members of the Latinx and Hispanic community. But most importantly of all, don't be a boring old commodity like coffee. In your career, make sure you are that super premium brand like Starbucks.
2: You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.